Welcome back to the Mastering Your Fertility podcast. This show is all about empowering couples with the knowledge they need to get pregnant, stay pregnant, and have the healthiest baby possible. I'm Kristen Cornett, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of an online fertility practice called Tiny Feet. I work with women and couples all over the world to optimize their health and fertility so they can build the families they've always dreamed of. You can learn more about me on my website at tinyfeet.co. Thanks so much for tuning in with me this week. Before we get started, I want to invite you to check out a couple of free resources that can help you move forward on your fertility journey. First is my free Are You Healthy Enough to Get Pregnant quiz, which will ask you about common symptoms in five areas of health that are foundational to fertility, as well as provide you with some practical tips on how to get started improving your health in each area. Next is the free mini course on how to choose the best prenatal supplements, which walks you through the specific nutrients you need to support your fertility and a healthy pregnancy, and how to find high quality supplements to meet your needs. And lastly, if you're interested in working with me one-on-one to get to the root cause of your fertility struggles and heal your body through functional medicine, you can schedule a 20-minute phone consult with me. You can find links to each of these free resources through the link in this week's episode description. You're listening to episode 92, and today I'm interviewing Jasmine Katatakarn about her experience going through infertility and IVF. Jasmine shares her whole fertility story and talks about how she was able to take control of her journey with a mindset and approach that she actually adapted from her work as an artist. This is a unique and inspiring interview, and I'm excited to have Jasmine on to share her perspective and what ultimately worked for her to build her family. So I'll go ahead and introduce you to Jasmine, and we'll get started. Jasmine Katatakarn is a fertility warrior who struggled to have a child for six years. After multiple IUIs and her second IVF, she was told that she had a less than 1% chance of having a baby and to just stop trying. But Jasmine didn't give up. Using her background as an artist, she applied an artist mindset to overcome her roadblocks and design a life that gave her control of her fertility journey and her life moving forward. As a result, she became pregnant within months of being told that she had a less than 1% chance. Today, Jasmine now has two kids, both through IVF. Using her designer point of view and tools, Jasmine shows you how to take control of your own fertility journey as well. You can find links to Jasmine's website, social media, and her free fertility training through the link in this week's episode description. Enjoy the interview. All right. Welcome, Jasmine Katatakarn. Thank you so much for joining me today on Mastering Your Fertility. I'm excited to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to speak with you today. Absolutely. And you have quite a fertility story yourself, so we're going to start there. Um, So let's kind of start at the beginning. Uh, When did you first start trying and how long did you guys try to conceive before you thought that there might be something going a little bit wrong on your journey yeah so I started trying when I was 30 I still I'm so I I I think about this how naive I was I had it perfectly planned out right I got married at 28 I was like oh let's enjoy life I'll start trying at 30 and I'll have you know three kids by 35 no problem I was just gonna you know get pregnant multiple times and so we started trying at 30 right on cue and it was honestly, like within the first three months, I started getting a little concerned. And, and it's also because I'm very impatient too. I think after the first month, I was kind of like, oh, wow, I'm not pregnant yet. That's, that's, that's incredible. (laughs) And and then, you know, the months go by, and then it's like, not so funny anymore. And, um, 
it was, I think, around the ninth month that I went to see my OBGYN because I was starting to get a little concerned. And it was around then when she was like, well, everything seems like it'd be fine, but, you know, wait a couple more months. And then it's usually like the year after you, you, you know, try for a year naturally, if something's not working, then um, you should go see a specialist. And that's when we started seeing specialists around a year, probably a little under a year, because as I said, I was in pain. So I was like, uh, I, there's something not right. So it was a little under a year. Okay. Yeah. So when you went to see the specialist, what additional investigation did they do for you? So, you know, they did all the preliminary tests on me and my husband that they normally do, you know, to check that, you know, to find something that could be wrong that, you know, that might be stopping us from getting pregnant. And they didn't find anything. All my tests came out clear. My husband's tests came out clear. And at that point, they said, you know, but something must be up because it has been a year. And uh, they diagnosed me with unexplained infertility. And that's when we started doing IUIs. Okay. Yeah. Unexplained infertility is just such a frustrating diagnosis. I say it over and over again on the podcast. <laughs> I hate that diagnosis because it's just not, to me, it's not answers. It's not, it's not a real diagnosis. All that means is like with the tools that we have available in conventional medicine, we can't explain why you're not getting pregnant. That doesn't mean there isn't a reason. So it's kind of like one of those diagnoses of exclusion that just leaves kind of more questions than answers for the couple. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. I mean, talk about at least if you know some uh we almost i almost wanted something to come out so we could focus on solving that problem but when they say unexplained you're kind of you're lost right you know there's something that might be up but you have no idea of how to find the solution for it so it's it's very frustrating to say the least yeah absolutely so how long did you guys go down the IUI route we went down for a while i think we we went the first clinic, um, we went around four IUIs with no uh, results. And then that's when we started thinking, you know, maybe, um, and the doctor suggested too, you know, maybe we should start thinking about IVF. And that is when we decided to change clinics because this is, I didn't realize this when I first started out that, you know, not only um, are the doctors really a big part of it, but it's also the labs, right? Especially when it comes to IVF. And um, my dad's a doctor, so he was the one that actually recommended if I go to IVF, I should probably maybe choose a bigger institution. So we did that. And when we went to um, the second clinic, they want, again, you know, at this point, I was probably, you know, 33. And Again, the doctor didn't see anything wrong. He was very optimistic, I remember. And they wanted to do a couple more rounds of IUI for two reasons, just because, you know, he didn't see he didn't see the the rush to do the IVF at first, but also for insurance reasons, to be honest with you, because a lot of insurances, you know, in, in order to even qualify for IVF, they want you to do certain rounds of other things like IUI. Right. So yeah, so then we did even more IUI. So I've lost count, but I probably did like six or seven IUIs. Wow. Um, which, yeah, saying it out loud felt like 
feels like a long time, but this is like over a span of years, right? At this point. Were they all medicated, like full stems and everything? Or did you do some with fewer medications or Clomid or? Yeah, in the beginning, I think the very first one, we didn't really do like very minimal. But then after that, we did do all medicated. Um, I mean, not as heavily as, you know, IVF medication, but there was medication involved. Yeah, that's that's a lot on your body for sure. Yeah, indeed. I, I still have questions about all the medications that we take um, when we do these treatments and the long-term effects, but that's... That's probably a different discussion. That is a different discussion, but it's a fair discussion. It's a fair question to be asking and something that I, I don't really know what, what the data is like for that and, and how much long-term study we have on these things. I mean, we study them for their efficacy in getting people pregnant, and we obviously use them because they're effective um, in that treatment when we're doing IUI and IVF. So what next after six or seven IUIs, you guys decided to move on to IVF at that point? Yeah. So at that point, we're like, okay, the doctor was, um, was highly recommending IVF. And that's when we finally moved on to IVF. And this is where, you know, I feel like I'm probably not alone when I assume, okay, I'm going to do IVF. So this, I'm definitely going to get pregnant this way. You know, it's guaranteed. So we did the first IVF and I had around 10 eggs that were retrieved. And I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, probably like five of them fertilized. And um, we did ICSI. And around day two, we made the appointment for the day five transfer. And this is my first IVF. I was like super excited. You know, I finally thought like after all these years, it's going to happen. And I still remember I was, I was, I think I was literally, I was like out the door to go get my transfer on day five and the phone rang and it was one of the nurses at the clinic. And she said, um, don't bother coming in. And I remember being so confused. I was like, what, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Like, this is my day. And she said, um, they checked and none of them made made it to day five the blastocyst yeah and I didn't like honestly I like didn't know that was even a possibility it was my first IVF and I I was devastated because I had gone through all the meds you know the retrieval everything and I felt like I never got my chance to even get the transfer and um and I was I was upset I mean to say the least and the next day, and this is where, you know, the fertility struggles are so hard. It's like this emotional roller coaster where you're like full of hope and then you get completely deflated, but then you have to like lift yourself back up again for the next, you know, for the next round. And the next day we went to the doctor and we met her and she said, well, I have a new diagnosis for you. Um, I think it's poor egg quality seeing how you know they it did not progress from it was doing fine like around day two and day five they like none of them made it to day five so of course you know one it was a little bit of relief that okay now we actually have a like we can see what the problem might be and of course my first question was well how do i improve egg quality (laughs) And of course, I did not like her answer. She said, well, you can't improve egg quality. And I remember like, I sat there and I kept, you know, I kept like, how's that possible? Like, you know, I 
like there must be a way and then finally she she kind of hesitantly was like well some people think you know acupuncture can like help with that quality and I was like okay I'm gonna do it right anything at this point like I had done so many things at this point anyway and um like if she told me to go like jump up and down that would help I would have done that too <laughs> so that very next day I went to acupuncture I made an appointment with a, a fertility acupuncturist and I had actually tried acupuncture like in the beginning years of when I was trying but I was just like not very focused. I was just like kind of haphazardly like trying all these little things. And this is the first time I was like, okay, I'm gonna really focus on this and take it seriously. And the acupuncturist um, put me on a very regimented, she's like, okay, we're gonna cleanse your body for the next round and you know, go on this fertility diet, do regular acupuncture treatments. And I did that for three months she recommended that I do that for three months and that's exactly what I did and um, so I was ready for my second IVF and I worked I felt like you know I put in so much more work into this and we started doing it of course I was nervous because of what happened to the first one and everything pretty much um, seemed the same and I will say their protocol was the same. Like I, I had pretty much the same amount of meds and everything was going um, exactly how it did in the past. I think maybe I retrieved like two less um, eggs this time around, but around like four of them um, fertilized and the same exact thing, like around day two or day three, I made my appointment for my transfer of day five. And this time around, I was at the acupuncturist office that morning of my day five transfer to, you know, do the acupuncture treatment before the transfer. And then I was meant to do it afterwards, too. And I still remember um, I was super nervous, you know, that I would get that call again. And I remember the acupuncturist coming back into the room after my treatment was over. And she just had this look on her face. And I knew almost instantly. And she said, they called, it was canceled. And the same exact thing happened. And, you know, it's, it, it was really hard because at this point, this is the second IVF. This is the second time that we've gone through everything and didn't even get a chance to, you know, I felt like I was sitting on the sidelines and I didn't even get a chance to go into the game. Like I worked so hard at practice and stuff. And it just, like, I just wanted my chance to play, at least. Um, and that, that walk home with my husband was really hard. I, 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 was, I remember crying. He was supporting me. And I think it was especially hard for me because at this point, it was, you know, egg quality, which is entirely on me, right? And I felt really, like... But with everything else, the like the physical and stuff, but I also felt guilty that I was the barrier to him becoming a father. And I, and it's like one of those things I knew, I knew the first time I met him that he was like meant to be a father. Like, you know, you meet people, he's way more paternal than I am. And I was like, oh, this guy would be a great father, even though we met so young in college, but I knew. And I was like, I can't be the one stopping him from me. Like, I knew I'd be okay if, you know, I couldn't be a mother. But for him, I was like, he's meant to be a father. And at this point, I, 
I was, at this point, it was five years. We had been trying for five years. So um, during that walk, I actually told him that he can, he can go. Like, I was like, if this doesn't work for us, I want you to go and find someone else so you can be a father because I can't, I can't live with that, right? I didn't want to be that barrier. And, um, you know, of course he said no. He's like, we're gonna figure this out together. And, you know, again, you know, we were at the low, I, I, you think you can't get any lower in your journey, but you know, you, you just get deflated, devastated. And then the next day again, I went to the doctor's office and I, I pumped myself back up, right? I was like, okay, I'm ready for the new plan. There's gotta be something else we can try. And that day we, we went to that morning, we went to the doctor's office and I was, I was ready to sit down for another plan a different way of, you know, approaching this. And, you know, she had another plan for me, but it wasn't what I expected. She started instantly talking about um, egg donors and adoption, like out of the gate. And I, and I remember like pausing, I was like, wait, are we, can I not try for another cycle with my own, my own eggs? And she said, no. She's like, I, I, I don't recommend that. It's clearly poor egg quality and, um, I wouldn't recommend another cycle with, with eggs, with your own eggs. And I was like, at this point I was there and I, I kept pushing her. I was like, there has to be a possible, like I was 35, but I still felt really healthy and young, youngish, probably not for fertility, but I felt young. And she finally, I was like, Can't, and I asked, I kept pushing her. I was like, is there any chance? And she said, I give you less than a 1% chance of having a child with your own eggs and at this point I was just like I was 35 the age that you know in my plan I was supposed to have three kids by now instead I'm 35 years old been trying for five years and this doctor is sitting across from me telling me I have less than a one percent chance of having a child and I was you know like I said you think you're at your lowest point and then I was like this this moment was definitely my lowest point. It was like, I remember feeling numb and like, and she kept on like everything blurred out. I was, and she, and then she kept on talking to me about egg donors and adoption and all stuff. And I just left that meeting like really confused and really upset, obviously. Um, and I, yeah, it was hard. <laughs> it's it's hard to imagine how devastating that was and I'm sure anyone who's listening that has been through a similar conversation with a doctor knows how devastating that is um and so I'm where where do you go from there right it's like it's hard to even come up with in your mind like okay well what's what's my plan I think I feel like most people that receive news like that aren't ready to just like immediately jump into egg donation I mean you go from thinking like hey we're going to try this again and we're still committed to this vision, this future vision of like us being parents biologically of our own children to then having a conversation um, about egg donation like that. That must have just been really, really difficult to try to make that shift and, and you know, just like go in a different direction all of a sudden. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, I like, I, I didn't want to like put off take the off the table the egg donor and adoption because you know that is a possibility but I just had this feeling that like my gut feeling was like no it's not time for that you know I 
yes, I've had two IVFs that have essentially have not been successful, but it felt like it wasn't right. Like I, the whole meeting I was talking with her, there was just something I was like, this can't, this can't be it. Right. And what happened was we left that meeting, the appointment. And I still remember we like, we both went to work that morning. We like kissed each other goodbye. We're like, we'll talk about it later. And um, I went to work and I still remember like crying on the train ride to work and thinking like, okay, I got to get myself back get myself together because no one at work knows I'm going through this. Right. And I need to just, you know, put on my happy face and just, you know, do, do my job and, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it later. And like we, we often do with fertility struggles, you know, we kind of hide it from everyone, which I definitely did. And what happened was like, I kept thinking like, no, this can't, cause especially in my personality, I'm just like, this can't be it. Right. But it would, it would have been so easy to give in because it's like five years. I'm just exhausted at this point. And when a doctor tells you, you know, less than 1%, it's like, okay, I'm done. You know, it, it would be so easy to do that. And what happened was like, I went to work that day and I was, I was really sad, obviously, but you know, keep, I kept on working and something happened where I realized I was, I was, I was distracting myself with work and I was trying to solve a problem at work, an obstacle, a challenge that we face. And at, by profession, I worked on animated films as a lighting artist, which is actually very technical and artistic. And it requires a lot of problem solving, a lot of creative problem solving. And as I was trying to um, problem solve this, this obstacle, this challenge I was having at work, it occurred to me that you know, the mindset I have at work is very different than how I was approaching my fertility journey and my personal, like, yeah, my personal fertility journey, where at work, when I see a challenge or an obstacle, I, I will kind of step back, look at the obstacle, and really assess it before even making um, a decision and finding, like, multiple creative solutions for the problem and then implementing it. And I realized then for my fertility journey, I was not doing that at all. I would just like kind of go blindly. My first doctor, you know, I just went blindly to a doctor. I was like, oh, this is a specialist. Okay. I did no research. I didn't do anything. And I just, um, I just, I don't want to say I believe them, but because doctor, I have high respect for doctors. My father's a doctor, but I I trusted them too much and I never stopped to think like, maybe I should get multiple opinions. Maybe this clinic's not right for me. And that's when I was like, wait, okay. This doctor said this today. That's okay. Well, that's not okay with me, but I was like, before I make a big decision, let's approach this with a different mindset. Let's approach this. Like this is a work thing where I, I'm not so personally involved. And let's start getting different perspectives on the same situation. And not only from doctors, but, you know, it's good to get different perspectives from like the Eastern side, Eastern medicine side too, and the Western. And so the next day I, um, I, and it was really good actually to look at it through this lens because it, it allowed me to take back control. Cause at that point I felt like I had lost control 
Um, well, not at that point, this whole journey, you don't feel like you're in control, actually. That's true. Yeah. So I, I went to my acupuncturist that very next day and I was talking to her about it. It was really great talking to her because she was, you know, she knew my case already. And she was, you know, she was kind of, she was like, you know, I think, I think maybe um, before you do anything, go to this other clinic. I think maybe, you know, the one you're at is not, not the right one for you. And I know the specific doctor that I think you, you'll connect with really well. He, he's, he's amazing. And I said, okay, let's go. And I think within that week, I made an appointment with the other doctor and it was, it was really refreshing to hear a different opinion. He said, I remember he said he didn't, he didn't agree with the less than 1%, but he definitely thought, you know, something was up and it is probably my egg quality. And then he was like, let's test this other thing. Let's test by, um, the biggest thing was to do a day three transfer instead of a day five transfer. And I was like, okay, let's do that. And that's also a great thing like that I do at work too, is you like kind of test and iterate. And what I didn't like about what the other doctor had done was we did the same exact protocol twice. Mm -hmm. And then she said, okay, it doesn't work. And I think that's what really kind of got me. Like I was ready for more tests, like more iterations. Something different. Yeah. Exactly. Try something and it doesn't work. So you try something else. And then if that doesn't work, you know, you can decide how many times you want to go through a different approach and and then it doesn't work. And you say, okay, now it's not working. But yeah, I think to do the the same exact thing twice over and then just say, all right, well, you're not going to get pregnant with your own eggs is, you know, not the full picture perhaps. Exactly. And um, so we went ahead and I did my third IVF at this point. Um, And then I got pregnant. It was, I finally got, we did a three day transfer and I couldn't believe it. It still felt surreal. Like, and this was only a couple months after that meeting, right? So just a couple months before I was sitting in that doctor's office and she was telling me to, you know, I had less than 1% chance and I shouldn't do any more IVFs and I should just do egg donors. And, and then here I am three months later, I think it was like three months later, I was, I was pregnant and I still, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I remember like the doctor called me to tell me the results and I was like, no, that can't be right. I, like, cause I was ready, you know, after you go through these struggle, the fertility journey, you're just, instead of, I mean, you're hopeful, but you're also like really expecting the you know devastation again because you get so used to it. At this point, it was over almost six years. I've been trying for almost six years. Um, so I still remember he told me and I said, are you kidding? And then he, his response was like, I'd be a horrible doctor if I yeah. was kidding about that. <laughs> that would like, be yeah. pretty terrible. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's true. And yeah, so now um, I got pregnant. I had my you know, my pregnancy went well, and I have a four-year-old daughter um, from that uh, third IVF. That's amazing. What a, what an inspiration. And that's, that's not your only child either, is it? No, it isn't. And this is where I, this, yeah. So basically what happened was um, I, you know, I went through the pregnancy and at this point I had stayed silent about my fertility journey. Like nobody knew about it, only my very immediate family. And they only knew about it during my fourth or fifth year. Like I kept it so, cause you know, it's something you don't want to share. It's so personal. And what I realized was after I had my, um, my daughter, 
you know, I posted a baby picture or whatever on, on my social media and someone commented like, oh, your life is so perfect. Like, I wish I had your life. Your life is so perfect because, and I realized what had, and I should say that during those six years of trying, my husband and I like traveled like crazy because that was out, that was my outlet. That was my way. I still remember after like another failed um, cycle, I would turn to my husband and be like, where are we going? I don't care about costs. Like I just, I needed something to keep me sane, to keep me going, to look forward to. And so from this person's perspective, all they saw was us traveling like all over the world for six years. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, look, now they have this baby and they're, they're so happy. And that's when I was like, I need to tell people and I can't feed into this social media perfection because I remember being really, you know, the, as you're trying, you hear that you see the baby announcements, like a pregnant woman. It's like, it's, it's hard, right? It is. And it's something that I also, I felt really bad that I was feeding in. I might be feeding into that, right. That they just assume I led this perfect life I decided to have a baby at 36 not 30 you know it's like and um so I came out I actually came out live like on Facebook which is totally not like me I still remember all my friends like oh my god what I like that's so not like you I was like I know I was so nervous but um I came out when my daughter was probably around I forgot like one one and a half years old and what happened was one it was really therapeutic I didn't realize how therapeutic it would be for me because you know you're holding in all this trauma that you don't even realize during those years but also what happened was like people came out people were like one people apologized for giving me a hard time doing all those years because you know we all get like why don't you have a baby yet you know and they tease you and they don't mean to be hurtful, but they had no idea that, you know, I was struggling for that long. And the, I mean, the positives was like, they said they're never going to, they're never going to tease it. They're not, they're not going to make those comments to any other woman um, again. And I was like, okay, that in itself. And then I had, you know, people that came out of the, that strangers I didn't know and friends too, that it's like that I, this really helped me, you know, I'm going through something similar and at this time is when I was like, I, I, one, I really want to give back to this community. And two, I was actually honestly a little scared to try for a second. Cause I thought I was like, so lucky that you got one. Exactly. I was just like, I can't push it. You know, I don't want to push it. And, um, and I also like, um, I wasn't getting any younger, you know, I was 36 when I had my daughter. So at this point I was, you know, 37, 38. And, um, but I turned to my husband after, you know, coming out, I was like, should we try for a second? Like if, if we were to try, this has to be the time to do it. And, um, and that's also when, and we, we agreed, like, I would have, I would love a second. Um, I had no expectations just cause you know, what have how long it took for us to have our first child. And I still remember, this was like right after I came out and I said to my husband, I was like, what if I document it? What if I show people firsthand, like what an IVF cycle looks like? And I still remember his, his like face. He was a little terrified at that. He was like, but 
but what if it doesn't work? What it's not like, what if it doesn't work? And then you have to be so public about it and it fails and stuff. And I was like, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's fertility. That's, uh, that's like the honest, like, obviously I don't want to have to, obviously it would be better if it was successful, but I'm just like, if it doesn't work, then that doesn't work. And real life for so many couples. I mean, IVF success rates, I think, I think a lot of people are like you were when you started like, oh yeah, IVF is definitely going to get me pregnant. Like these mm-hmm. are the big guns. This is the thing that works for people when nothing else works. And that's true in a lot of cases, but it's, it's true that it doesn't work for, you know, a vast majority per cycle. The success rates are, are fairly low. Yeah. I so I remember when I did look at the success rates at when I started doing it and I was like, wait, no, I was just like, it's like 20. I don't know. I, for me, I think it was like 20 in the twenties percentile and that's not very much, you know? Um, yeah, I agree. And it was, so I actually, I, we tried, we went to the same clinic. They said, I still remember the the doctor was like, we're going to at this point I was like, okay, keep the same protocol. He's like that protocol worked. Let's keep it the same. I was like, okay, I'm totally into that. (laughs) And, um, so we did it and, I got pregnant with my second child at around 37 and um, or 38 now, I forget. No, it must have been, sorry, yeah, 37. And now I have a two-year-old son and my daughter has a sibling, which was like one of the biggest things like, oh, I wish, you know, I really thought it would not be possible. And um, I'm so grateful now for it. And that's where I am now. Yeah, I have a four-year-old and two-year-old, both from IVF. And I often say that my, you know, less than 1% miracles. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. So talk a little bit more about this mindset shift that you made, because this is something that you're helping other women with now on their fertility journeys. And um, like what, what are kind of the ins and outs of like the steps that you went through to make this shift, um, in your mindset? Yeah. So this, this was huge. And this was something, um, that I knew I wanted to share with people cause it wasn't, it wasn't being, I didn't know about it before until I started doing it. And after having my two kids, I was like, I really, it's kind of my passion project to share this with people. And what it is, is um, I actually made an acronym for it to make it easier. It's free. The freedom method is what I call it. Um, so the first, the first step is to like find your core values, right? And this is what uh, forced me when I was trying to kind of stop. I feel like I was, I was just going full speed ahead, uh, you know, get married, check, career check, have a kids check you know and I never stopped to think of like what I really wanted in life um, what would make me happy so first step is to kind of stop and invest like learn about yourself Um, invest in yourself and really understand what makes you what's going to make you happy because it might not be what you think it is right and until you know that um it's, it's, it's kind of like your compass in life. So you always know that you're going in the right direction. So that's the first step. And then the more kind of like hands-on fertility um, 
journey steps is to um, reframe the challenge, right? So I think, you know, as we all go through fertility, uh, fertility journeys, we think, and I was the same way, like, I'm, I was just like, so focused on like, I just need to get pregnant, I, I need to get pregnant, right? And they, it kind of doesn't give you the bigger picture. And it's kind of stepping back and it's like, well, is that actually the real challenge that I'm trying to solve right now? Is it getting pregnant? Or what, what's that going to do for me? Like that might not solve anything really in, in, in the broader scheme of things. So I, it's kind of like you reframe that, that challenge and what will getting pregnant do for you? And you kind of step back and you see the qualities or what the characteristics or something that, you know, for fertility could be like, oh, it allows me to be a mother. Well, what, what will be, being a mother do for you? Well, it allows me to, you know, be a role model, let's say. So you can take that and be like, oh, well, I can actually address that in different ways, not only having a child. So it gives you more options in that way. And then the third step is once you kind of reframe your challenge is to explore multiple creative solutions, creative paths to that challenge. So you can start brainstorming like different ways that you can actively, um, you know, approach your fertility journey, not only one way to kind of get that uh, end result of being happy. And this is where I'm like saying, I, 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 I will, emphasize that it's not saying that you don't keep on actively trying to have a child. It's like, it allows you to keep on actively trying to have a child, but also actively nurturing yourself and fulfilling your, yourself in other ways at the same time, which will reduce your stress levels and the pressure to have to get pregnant. And, you know, I feel like it's one of those things where people, I think we've all heard it, when you're trying to get pregnant and people are like, well, if you just stop trying, then you'll get pregnant, you know? <laughs> and you, you probably just want to like punch them. I know I did. Um, but this is, I love this method because it's a way of actively still trying, but reducing that stress and that pressure that will kind of like let you relax and, you know, possibly get that, what they're suggesting. Um, in a way. And then the last, the last step is to execute the plan, right? Is nothing, nothing works without action. So it's, once you have all these like different ways of fulfilling yourself, then you start doing it and you'll just start feeling better because no matter, you know, no matter what that cycle gives, of course, it's still going to be, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's, we're all human. It's, it's, it's going to have, um, emotional feelings towards it, but you're fulfilling yourself at the same time and you're not putting your life on pause just for that one outcome. So that is essentially the freedom method. So it's find your core values, reframe your challenge, explore creative paths, and then execute the plan. Yeah, well, that's, that's really powerful. And I really like what you're saying about, you know, <laughs> finding other ways to fulfill yourself on this journey. And that doesn't mean that you don't continue actively trying in some way. It just means that, I don't know, like, I guess not all of your eggs are in that same basket, right? There are other things that you can do that are fulfilling 
and, you know, make you happy in life aside from being a mother. Because, you know, when we have kids, when people ask us like, who are you or what do you do? Most people don't say like, I'm a mom Mm -hmm. only like, that's it. That's all there is to me. Like I'm a mother and, and that's all. Uh, you know, we have passions and interests and dreams, and some of us continue to have careers after having kids. And what parts of those other aspects of yourself do you want to continue to nurture and explore and bring to light during this time? And I think the fertility journey has this special ability to just like wipe all of that out and cause people to just forget about everything else that they have going on in their lives and everything else that they have going for them that could make them happy and just like laser focus on that fertility journey. I think some of this stems from perfectionism because we tend to focus on the things that aren't working. We want to fix and make perfect the things that are imperfect in life. And if other things seem to be trucking along and going okay in life, we're going to just really dial in on that one thing that isn't working. But that kind of causes us to lose sight of, of other things that could be fulfilling and happy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially with the perfectionist thing. Because, you know, I feel like we're, we're, we're all taught at a very young age, like this is the perfect life. This is the life that you should strive for. Or, you know, we don't stop to think about what we, what will, what will fulfill us kind of like what you said. Um, And I think this fertility journey is a really great opportunity. I mean, I don't want to, I, you know, it's, it's a struggle, but it's also a great opportunity to stop and, give yourself permission to like invest in yourself and say exactly like what, what, what makes me, me, what, what will make me whole and, and give yourself permission to like spoil yourself in a way. Like for me, I remember during the, my journey, I, I would take, I took woodworking classes and glass blowing classes, like things that, you know, I just always wanted to do. It had nothing to do with my profession, but like, it was this creative outlet and if it made me feel really good for others, it could be like, you wanted to write a book or you wanted to, you know, start writing. So, or, you know, or you wanted to go travel to this certain place and it gives you the ability to kind of, yeah, free your mind from who are you? Cause it's not, the child is not going to define you. Like you define yourself. Right. So no matter if you have a child or not, the most important thing is you. And like, I think that's what I came out of my fertility. That's why I, you know, it was, it was the hardest years of my life so far, (laughs) but um, I'm also like the most grateful for it because it has made me into who I am. And I can truly say that if honestly, if kids had come or like, if I had, if that plan had worked out that, I started at 30 and I would have had three kids by 35. I I probably wouldn't like myself that much right now. I probably would be honestly like I I wouldn't have given myself the time to really figure out who I am and who I want to be. And I am really grateful for that. And I think that's that's kind of like the silver lining that this is a great time to really figure you out while you're trying. Yeah, I can 1000% relate to that on my journey. And I think there are a lot of things, and I actually did an entire podcast episode about this for myself. It's episode 42, if anybody is curious about that. But 
it was all about the silver lining of infertility for me because there were a lot of things that I got to explore and prioritize in my life that I don't think I would have figured out um, were so important if I hadn't gone through this journey. And one was my health. I mean, that was the limiting factor in the first place, but you know, I really had this deep desire to dig in and get to the bottom of that and figure it out because I knew that it was affecting my fertility and that journey, like going down that path is what brought me to this work, to doing what I do now. And that's been so professionally fulfilling. And I think I struggled all the way through my life and career up to the point that I was a corporate financial analyst, that that's what I was doing. Um, that was not going to be a fulfilling career for me, but I just had not found anything that really drove a passion. So when people would ask me like, well, what do you want to do with your career? I'm like, I don't know. I just want like a stable job that makes me money. And then throughout this whole struggle, I discovered this incredible passion that I didn't know I had. And now I have something that's going to be so much more fulfilling for my life. But if I'd gotten pregnant when I wanted to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this. I wouldn't have had that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the same for me, right? The fact that I'm sitting here talking to you about this, like if you had asked me that, you know, when I started tying, I'd be like, are you crazy? Why would I do that? That's not, you know, I'm just on this like straight path to, you know, getting on my career and getting promoted and then retiring, like working really hard and tiring. But now because of my fertility journey, I feel like one, um, I'm, I'm definitely a better person. Like, I will, I want to help people, which I mean, I hate to say this, but when I was probably 30 trying to have my child, I was very kind of just focused on me and like, okay, let's get, let's, let's do this. And so like today I'm here and my biggest thing is to fulfill myself and, and it is by helping people. And I will also say that I am a more patient person because I was really impatient before. It definitely makes me more patient. And I'm a better parent, to be honest with you, because I feel like, you know, I kind of said my husband was more fraternal than I was. And I think if kids had come easy, easily to me, I would have just kind of been like, oh, okay, I got my kids. You go do your thing. But now, like, my kids are so precious to me. I, like, will drop everything to play with them you know when they say play I'm like okay I'm gonna play with you honestly that would not have happened if it wasn't for this fertility journey and there's so many silver linings yeah that sense of appreciation that you feel for sure for something that was harder much harder than you thought that it was going to be to get um, but that definitely does teach you the importance of certain things struggle always teaches you what's important in life right i mean look at look at all the craziness that we're going through in our world right now like how many people have really gotten to the bottom of what's important in their life because they had all the things they thought were important be put completely on hold by this whole covid 19 situation so uh, you know, and I'm not saying that this is, you know, this whole pandemic is a good thing, but for some people it has been really eye-opening and is, has taught them what's important in their life and what they want to continue to focus on going forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the pandemic is similar to fertility that it, it, force, it, force, it forces you to pause. It forces you to stop and really take a look at what's important, you know, maybe you're, you realize you're not happy in your job. I've had a lot of friends that are like, I'm not happy with what I'm doing. And they've used this time to really reflect. And um, the same with fertility. Yeah, I think they, it's, it's a very similar thing. And it's all about just stopping. We're so busy and on the move and just going to the next step. And we never stop 
to think about is that next step really where I want to be to begin with yeah. so yeah for sure so share a little bit more about this online program that you put together to give back to this community and and how you're helping women on this journey yeah so it's an online program that is all about how you can take control of your own fertility journey using an artist mindset to uncover these multiple paths to happy. And it uses the freedom method, the method that I kind of laid out to find your core values, reframe, explore and execute, and lays it out in a very easy, uh, manageable way so that you can apply it quickly. It won't take you six years like it took me to figure out um, on my journey and I give you it's it's all online and yeah I I've been meaning honestly I've been meaning to to do this for years and finally it's actually partially because of the pandemic um, honestly so there's another silver lining where you know I'm still working from home I'm grateful for that but at the same time I was like this is something that I've been wanting to put up for since my son was born and he's two and I was like it's one of those things I was like why am I why am I putting this off I'm just gonna sit down and do this because there's so many people that could um, use this right now and also not only that is you can use it not only for your fertility journey but for your life moving forward I use it every day and every time every, like it's imagine a life where like no obstacles really stand in your way of course, obstacles will come, but I use this method and I kind of step back and then I always think that there's always a creative solution. There's always multiple ways, um, you know, to approach a challenge. It might not be your initial way that you think, but you'd be surprised. It's, um, it's so empowering. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this and sharing your journey and the program that you created for women that will definitely be linked to in the show notes for this episode. Um, any other closing pieces of advice or pearls of wisdom that you want to offer to people who are currently struggling on their journeys? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to one, know that you do have control over you know you don't have obviously you don't have control over everything but you do have control with your ultimate happiness i know that sounds if you're going through this journey when you're going through this journey it, that that's you know i i feel like i'd be very skeptical at hearing that um but there are and the other um advice that i would have is to be your own best advocate when you're going through your journey because no one knows yourself better than you and no one's going to fight harder than you so you know this could mean just getting second opinions or you know finding different um approaches to things or you know just following your gut too i mean for me that in that meeting i'm not saying to just to be stubborn because you know some sometimes there are, you need to look at different options but if something's telling you maybe something's not right then just follow your gut for a little bit and just be your own best advocate that's fantastic advice thank you so much for sharing and thanks again for being here i really appreciate you sharing your story yeah thank you so much for having me